Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. It is a Wednesday edition of the show, so we are going to turn our attention to a pivotal, and I mean pivotal, matchup between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Carolina Panthers with first place in the NFC South on the line. If the Bucs win, they clinch the division, believe it or not, with a 500 record. If Carolina wins, they would have the tiebreaker over Tampa Bay, and the Bucs would need to win in Week 18 and have the Panthers lose in the final week of the season. So we'll get into all those matchups, and of course the big news, the prodigal son, Ryan Jensen, returns to practice. We're going to get into all of that. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is the face that runs the place over at pewterreport.com. It is Scott Reynolds. Scott, how are you doing? And uh, does it feel like there's a lift in everyone's spirit, not just because it's the holiday season, but because yeah. of Ryan Jensen, jolly old Ryan Jensen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Santa brought one more present for the Buccaneers for the return of Ryan Jensen. Now, before fans get too excited, there is a chance he doesn't even play this year. They just want to get him back into football. And Todd Bowles did rule him out for this week's game against the Panthers. And that makes sense. This guy hasn't played a down of football in five months. So right. he's not going to be ready in just one week's preparation time uh, to, you know, to suit up and play. And this is a different situation. We've talked about this before, Matt, with Ryan Jensen. This isn't like Vita Vea coming back for the NFC championship game against Green Bay, nor is it like him playing against uh, the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, you know, 20 or so snaps. You can do that with the defensive lineman. You can rotate that player in, but you can't do that with an offensive lineman, especially a center. they got to be able to go wire to wire. You can't rotate in your center. Otherwise, you're going to have some continuity issues with the snaps, with the chemistry between Jensen and both guards, Shaq Mason and Nick Leverett. So here's what this this did, and I was talking to some folks at One Buccaneer Place about this today. The return of Ryan Jensen does a couple things. It's a big shot in the arm for Tom Brady, right? He loves Ryan Jensen. He made sure that Jensen – was on board in free agency before he got away, you know, to another team. That's why Brady came back. Uh, so, sorry, I had to get a drink of water there. Um, <clears throat> so, it, it kind of puts a pep in Brady's step. It also makes Robert Haynes step it up a little bit, right, now that he knows that Jensen's return might be uh, inevitable. <clears throat> and I think it just it lifts the, the team's spirits. You know, Jensen's the fire starter on offense. This is like a little spark that they might need this week, even though he's not going to play. It does lift the team's spirits for sure. Yeah, I think, you know, the team in the beginning of the year when Chris Godwin came back, I think that was a little bit of a lift, as you talked about. And I think it helps with the, you know, later end of the season as well. You know, we talk about the dog days of summer. Well, this is the dog days of the winter. You know, they're in the cold. of Well, not really in Tampa, but in the season, people are in the cold of winter and have been battling all season long. And, you know, sometimes you go it was cool this week, though, Matt. <laughs> it was. Yes, we did experience a uh, a true, true cold winter and a cold Christmas uh, that we don't typically get to. But for Jensen to come back, at least show his face around the building, you know, people are going to be a little bit more excited about it um, for, for various different reasons. And, um, you know, maybe could provide a this Tristan actually talked about Ryan Jensen coming back today and um, he had a really, really 
great things to say about Jensen, but I think one of the most important things is the fact that uh, this offensive line misses something when Ryan Jensen isn't in there, and Tristan yeah. spoke about it. Yeah, I think regardless of when of when Ryan comes back, um, you know, I think something that this team has missed is his. Uh, I don't even know how to hit uh, tenacity. I think that'd be a good word. Um, he, he always brought that, you know, every week. So um, I think that'll be. I think that'll probably be the biggest thing. And, and, and you know, seeing his red hair out there flowing. The enforcer. Yeah. The tenacity without Ryan Jensen uh, in the lineup. Worth also just spoke about seeing him return to practice and what it did for the team. Back out there after all this time. Yeah, I think it was, I think it was awesome, you know, to see him um, be back out on the field. I know I know it was quite exciting for him. Um, he's seemed seemed like he's been really antsy, um, wanting to speed things up, speed things up. But um, you know, he's got to go at the, at the right pace and make sure everything's you know, make sure everything's good to go. But it was cool to see him back out there. You missed three. Yeah, it's certainly uh, it's it's going to be good to have Jensen back and see. The thing is, he's been on the sidelines, Matt, for these games. But we haven't really seen him get too animated. Matter of fact, there's a couple times where Brady comes over to talk to the offensive lineman. We've actually seen Jensen get up and leave, right? And I think part of that is because it's one thing to be a leader when you're suited up and ready for battle with your other teammates. It's another thing to be a leader when you're in street clothes because you're not really part of the team at that point. You're you're away from the team. You're injured. You're rehabbing. You're not practicing, et cetera. So I don't think Jensen has felt really compelled to to be a, a leader uh, because he's not in the trenches this year. He's not fighting those battles. I think he's done some leadership one-on-one with, with Robert Hainsey, having some conversations on the side, but he knows his place is not to on the sidelines and street clothes and get in the middle of the huddle. Come on, guys, let's do this, right? And now I think if he ends up getting activated, it won't be for this week, but if he's activated maybe as a backup, an emergency-type player, for the Falcons or maybe in the playoff game, if the Buccaneers do end up making the postseason by clinching the NFC South division, then maybe that has a little bit more credence, right? Even though he may not be playing, if he's got the uniform on the shoulder pads, et cetera, he might be more inclined to use some of that fire and brimstone and that, that, that ginger red hair of his to, to light a fire on the offensive line. And in an odd way, because the Bucs can clinch the division, they could set themselves in a situation where in week 18, you know, you probably don't play Tom Brady, uh, which means that Blake Gabbard will get the start, hopefully. I, and this is looking way too ahead into the future. But yeah. if Jensen is healthy enough where, and again, you can't do this with an offensive line, and hey, you right. get 15 snaps, maybe play a quarter, you could technically do that in week 18 if you want to see if Jensen, how he just does in the flow of the game. Yeah. Maybe even playing for just one quarter because if the Bucks win and they clinch a spot, they can't move any higher. So they Correct. literally have nothing to play for in <clears throat> yeah. week 18. They can't control going play first round with the Dallas Cowboys. So their week 18 game, I don't hate the idea of seeing Ryan Jensen play for like a quarter, just let him yeah. get his feet wet. It is tough from a continuity <clears throat> standpoint. And I know the offensive line has really had their issue issues. But I mean, you can't substitute. Out Robert Hainsey for us, everything that Ryan Jensen does for this team. Right. Like, do you move Hainsey over to guard? You know, Nick Lefford's kind of set down a solid foundation since yeah. he's been, you know, inserted into the lineup. You're not moving Shaq Mason. I bet Robert Hainsey, I think, done an okay job. But, you know, when you, everything's on the line. So if Jensen 
puts the Bucks in the best situation to win, then he'll be the guy. I just don't know how quickly he can like really go about it. Yeah, exactly. Well, speaking of injured Buccaneers, and Jensen is not on the injury list today because even though he's been cleared to practice, he's not part of that 53. He still is technically on injured reserve. The Bucs would have to activate him at some point. And that means making a roster move. And and that roster move could be, you know, Kyle Rudolph uh, getting axed as the fourth tight end, essentially, to make room for Jensen, whether it be next week for the Falcons game or in the postseason, should the Bucs make it. But we just got the injury report, and I'll read these off to you real quick. Carlton Davis with the shoulder did not participate. The following, or let's just go through the did not participate. Anthony Nelson uh, did not participate. He had an illness, which is interesting because I spent about 10 minutes talking to Anthony Nelson, not knowing he's sick. So hopefully he doesn't right. get me yeah. sick. Um, but I, I've been stocking up on zinc and vitamin C and D. Uh, so, you know, Nelly, Nelly looked okay to me. It wasn't like he was, uh, you know, quarantined or anything away, but from the team, but, but he did not participate. Raheem Nunez Rochez did not participate due to personal reasons. And then the following players were limited today. Jamel Dean with a toe, Mike Edwards with a hamstring, Julio Jones with a knee, Carl Nassib returned with a pectoral, uh, injury. Uh, he's been, missed the last couple games. So there's a chance with him practicing on a limited basis. The Bucks might not have just two outside linebackers. Matt, they might actually have three for this game if Nassib can return. Kate Otten with a, a quadricep. Donovan Smith was back at practice with the with his foot injury. Vita Bea was limited with a, a calf injury uh, that's kept him out the last couple of games. So the fact that Smith and Bea are back in the lineup, uh, even on a limited basis, is a good sign. I think we'll see how they yeah. progress during the week. Werfs and Winfield also limited with ankle injuries. For Carolina, a much shorter injury list. Dante Foreman uh, did not participate, but only due to rest. Uh, he had, a, a what, 160 yards rushing <laughs> in the last game against the Lions. He was busy. He was busy. He's earned a, a day off after being the NFC Offensive Player of the Week for that performance and, and a big win over the Lions. The other players that did not participate, Taylor Morton, the left tackle, I'm sorry, the right tackle for the Panthers. He did not participate due to rest. Also, J.C. Horn has been ruled out for the game. He had surgery on his wrist, so obviously he didn't participate. So one of their starting cornerbacks will be out of action this Sunday. The other players that were on the list in a limited capacity for Carolina, Shai Smith was limited, the wide receiver. Shaq Thompson, the longtime linebacker, is uh, limited with the hamstring injury. Tommy Trumbull the tight end who scored a touchdown against the Buccaneers uh, in that week seven game uh, against Zion McCollum uh, over uh, the rookie there. Uh, he was limited today with a hip injury and also the, the, the player that returned to the uh, to practice in full participation was Steven Sullivan, a backup tight end. He had an ankle injury. So um, more Injury news for the Buccaneers than the Panthers, but at least some of the Buccaneers that we'd like to see back in action. Vita Vea, Donovan Smith, Carl Nassib giving it a go today, and we'll see how they progress during the week. They, those players were limited today. Yeah, Jamel Dean, too. I mean, they haven't had him in, in a couple of weeks. Luckily, yeah. Sean Murphy Bunting has really picked up his game. So, uh, again, that's going to be at least one difference is that the Panthers most likely won't be able to pick on – Zion McCollum, as the the graphic code a couple of weeks ago was up on the screen, 
the Panthers right. picked on Zion McCollum, and um, that was one of the reasons why they were able to beat the Bucs uh, when they first met up uh, in Carolina earlier this yeah. season. Um, obviously, like we talked about, huge game, significant amount of importance. We know the fans are going to be fired up uh, for that yeah. one, and I get pretty fired up when I drink the Celsius Energy Drink, which is the official too, sponsor Matt. of the Pewter Report podcast. They have a variety of flavors from the Arctic Peach and Tropical Vibes to the cucumber lime, to the Fuji apple pear, cola flavor, uh, watermelon as well. So a variety of flavors. You can get a ton. But the key is that this is a healthy version of an energy drink. There is uh, seven essential vitamins. There is zero sugar or preservatives. So you don't got to worry about that post-energy drink crash. It's going to slow you down later in the game so you can get uh, an immediate effect from an energy drink. Keeps you going the whole time. You can substitute it. For uh, coffee, it's a great way to start your day. So uh, go to the Celsius website, click on the store locator, and find out where you can get a Celsius near you at your local Walmart, your Target, your bodega, as I like to go to. And then uh, when you know that you love Celsius, go to the store locator. and uh, Sorry, go to Amazon, click on the subscribe and save, and um, you know set up uh, a shipment every one, two, or three weeks to go straight to your house or apartment. You don't even have to leave or go anywhere. And I'd recommend getting the variety flavor because variety is the spice of, of life. So check out Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. That's hashtag Celsius Live Fit, hashtag Celsius Energy. And we love when our fans uh, send us photos of, of drinking Celsius or, or buying it in packs. Uh, we appreciate the love there when you guys uh, support our sponsors. So uh, yeah, check out Celsius. It's all over the place. You know, interesting thing here, Matt, is we dive into the Bucks Panthers preview, and the Bucks got a little bit of a preview of what the Panthers could do in the last time they played, which is week yeah. seven. They got a sneak preview of that Panthers running game, which really came alive, especially in the second half. Panthers rushed for 173 yards. If you remember, Carolina has seven to nothing lead at halftime, and then it just didn't get much better for the Buccaneers. Yeah, that dropped touchdown pass from Mike Evans on the first drive. That really kind of set the tone for an awful day offensively. Even though Tom Brady didn't throw any picks in that game, it only got sacked once. The offense didn't go anywhere. Only scored three points. That came in the fourth quarter with just a, hey, let's not get shut out field goal, right? 21-3 yeah. to three was, was the final. P.J. Walker had a day, two touchdowns. But really it was that Panthers ground game, which, which really kind of came alive in the second half. 15 carries for 118 yards, 7.9-yard average from uh, Dante Foreman. They really took advantage, if you remember, of Carlton Davis not playing in the game. And yeah. Zion McCollum was was in there and, and really kind of uh, uh, gave up the sidelines on a lot of those runs. And Dante Foreman had a, a huge game for the Panthers with a 60-yarder in that game, and that – that uh, combined with the play of Chuba Hubbard, who had a touchdown in that game, nine carries, 63 yards. So you had Foreman averaging 7.9 yards per carry. Chuba Hubbard, 7.0 yards per carry. The Panthers ran for 173 yards and a touchdown all over the Buccaneers, averaging 6.4 yards per carry. So it just was a bad day. And not just the, the, you know, the, the Buccaneers' defense, kind of suffering uh, when it comes to running the ball. But if you remember, 
they did a hell of a job against the Buccaneers ground game too, really shutting down Leonard Fournette and and really kind of making life miserable for Tampa Bay's ground game. The Bucs only ran for 46 yards in a game, 2.9 yard average, which you know is kind of par for the course given the fact right. that Tampa Bay has the worst rushing offense in the league still to this day. But I saw an amazing statistic, and if you remember, this was the game where they didn't have Christian McCaffrey, right? They they ended up trading Christian McCaffrey, and it, it was just kind of nuts how they've actually worked out. It's worked out better for the Panthers, not only trading McCaffrey, uh, netting Carolina a slew of, of mid-round draft picks in 2023 and 2024, but when they traded McCaffrey, the Panthers were averaging that 90.3 yards per game on the ground. And once they traded Christian McCaffrey, who's actually had a hell of an impact for the 49ers, right? But now the Panthers with Foreman and Hubbard have averaged 159.5 yards per, gra- per game on the ground. So it's, it's a 70 point, I'm sorry, a 70 yard per game increase for Carolina on the ground game. So it's it's a remarkable turnaround for Carolina to have that type of of a swing and and Foreman's really emerged as as a, a big time running back for them. He's got a chance at a thousand yards, even though he started the season as a backup behind Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, and many people thought as well that Chuba Hubbard was really going to be the guy, especially after Christian McCaffrey got traded. I was actually going to bring up that point, but you yeah. did for me. Thank you. Was that that was when the Bucks met the Panthers the first time? That was the first game after they had big Christian McCaffrey. That's they right. Maybe they come in with a bit of a chip on their shoulder, but no, they've been doing this the you know the whole season since the uh, McCaffrey trade, and that I think is what is uh, you know scary for the Bucks going into this game is the fact that. Times and the defense again has kept them in games. They're the reason that they've gotten the amount of wins that they've had, including against the Cardinals on, on Christmas. But a lot of times we've seen it only takes like one or two plays for the defense to really just let it go, and you know, yeah. the other team really becomes uh, you know a, a huge issue for the Bucks. And once once you start running on the box, it's 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 like the faucet faucet is already on, and it's tough for that yeah. Bucks defense to to go back and, and turn it off. Like once that's right, the horse is out of the barn. The Bucks don't typically clean it up. They either commit to stopping the run right away, and they get the right. job done, kind of like against uh, you know the Seahawks in yeah. the Germany game. But then you see other times like uh, you know the Ravens well, game. The Ravens game. Great. I was going to say, yeah, they look great in the first half, and then all of a right. sudden, once that door is open. They couldn't stop keep running on you and running on you. And that was the thing for the Panthers. It was essentially body blows yeah. to the box. Like they had their moments, but then it was really that second half where they just, they beat the box into submission, you know, like the box yep. didn't want to play anymore. And again, you had that sad garbage time field goal and the Panthers know we can run the ball. They know that that's, that's how they're going to win in yeah. any game is that they can't let Sam Darnold do too much. He doesn't right. have propensity to see ghosts so the Bucs are going to be hoping that Sam Darnold sees the Bucs defense that hounded him last season yeah. and in two laughers of a game uh, but for this one though the Bucs know they have to force Sam Darnold to uh, get rid of the ball and we'll see if Vita Vea plays obviously Carlton having Carlton Davis back 
I know he's a corner, but um, he's a physical guy, and yeah. I think that that translates to the rest of the defense. Well, and you, you know, know what? It, it's a little scary because, I mean, Carlton missed today's practice with a shoulder injury. That bears watching, yeah. right? And you're exactly right. It was Zion McCollum who was the, the culprit. He has not tackled well on defense, and, and they've got to have – they got to have that that cornerback position manned up because you know Sean Murphy Bunting is is a better tackler than than Zion McCollum. But uh, as Warren Sapp always says, the longest plays in the NFL happen down the sidelines, and you got to be able to contain and, and not let those running backs or wide receivers get to the sidelines and and take it down the field. And and Brad, Bradley Bozeman, the center who actually replaced Ryan Jensen in Baltimore yeah. after Jensen came to Tampa Bay. I liked him. He was a, a draft pick out of Alabama. Uh, was a player that I was hoping that the Bucks could sign, even if they didn't get Jensen back, but they did. And and Bozeman has been a very good run blocker for Carolina. Really kind of, if you remember last year, that Carolina offensive line was just terrible outside of yeah. the right tackle. Uh, and and they've, they've made some additions this year. And I think Bozeman's done a, a very good job in, in helping Carolina's run game, especially when they decide to run between the tackles. And he did a number on Vita Vea and even got to the second level sometimes, got to Levante David. And that's a big reason why the Buccaneers were driven out of their gaps because they were driven out of their gaps. This Carolina offensive line is full of confidence right now. And I think the addition of Bozeman, who's got a 70.7 run blocking grade, that's the highest of any offensive lineman in Carolina. He's a big reason why. Yeah, and we'll see if Vita Vea can play. But, yeah, a lot of this onus is going to fall, of course, on Devin White and Levante David. That's not anything new for this game specifically. You know, it, a lot of times the defense, um, if they play well, it's because Levante and, and Devin White have played well. And if they played poorly, it's a lot of the times because Devin White and Levante David have played poorly. But I think a lot of this is going to go on their you know defensive line as well. Um, we've seen at times Akeem Hicks looks good. And then other times, you yeah. know, he's just kind of been invisible. You've seen more of that lately. Um, I do think Nacho really has stepped up his game in this situation with Vita Vea not available. Um, you know, it's been a collective effort. The entire defensive line, Will Golson gets the big fumble recovery. Yeah. But, you know, one thing I noticed as well from, you know, last game with the Cardinals I don't know if this was by design, if it's because they're just trying to get more reps uh, for everybody because they're going to need rest as well. But Pat O'Connor actually got some, uh, you know, some did. more playing time than just a, yeah. hey, you know, there's a minute left in the game. Have right. at it. You know, uh, he had a significant pressure in that yeah, Cardinals game that forced an incompletion. So I'm curious if that was just like a one-time thing, kind of like how Deidre Sinat got some playing time in the beginning of the year and then it yeah. kind of – petered out and, and fell down. I'm curious if Pat O'Connor is going to, I don't want to say force his way into more time in the rotation based on right. what he did last game, or if, if they'll keep him at around that same number, but you know, that's one thing yeah. that they could, you know, mix up a little bit. You know, Pat is more of a, a speed type of guy than he is like physical with, with power. If, if, if they feel that if, you know, the Panthers are really going to go, East East West versus North South, like that might be something that we could see the Bucks implement. I, I'm not saying yeah. throw them in for 60 snaps and 75 percent of the playing time, but right. if Vita can't go and you want to change up the rotation a little bit against a, a team that like 
really beat you on the ground last time. Yeah. I'm curious if that's something that the Bucks will implement. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing, too, is, you know, Todd Bowles, within the division, he got a second crack at the New Orleans Saints and, and did something that hasn't happened since the the Bucks were, were under John Gruden's, you know, uh, watch. And that that's play better and, and sweep the Saints, you know. And, and it, granted, it took a fourth quarter comeback. They actually played better in week two, but but still – you kind of figure out your opponent a little bit. It's it's hard to win two games. The Saints have done it against the Buccaneers an awful lot, yeah. but it's hard to win uh, two games back-to-back in this division. And usually you kind of see teams split. And the Bucs have already beaten the Falcons. We'll see what happens in this game and how that will affect Week 18 when the Bucs go to Atlanta. But for this game, you know, this this was a, a bad showing by the Bucs offense that has not gotten a whole bunch better over the incoming weeks. Uh, they're better than three points, but they're really not better than 17 points, which is their average. But Tom Brady has really struggled with with interceptions, and we caught a little fire from some of you in the chat when we called him turnover Tom. But look what he did on Christmas. Two more interceptions and probably two of his worst of the year. He has got to, got to, got to not throw in their interceptions against the Panthers because the Bucks have to win the turnover margin. They're margin of victory and their margin of error on this team is so slight and and that's just manifested itself in so many close wins such as the comeback win against the rams the comeback win against the cardinals uh, on, on christmas eve we talked about the comeback win against the saints or since on christmas night for the cardinals uh that 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 they've got to win the turnover battle right and that's what happened on sunday they won three to two. You had the uh, the strip sack by Anthony Nelson, and that was uh, you know perfect timing because the Cardinals were deep in Tampa Bay territory. That at least took a field goal off the board right there. Yeah. Right. Then you had at the uh, in the fourth quarter to allow the Buccaneers to go down and kick a, a game tying field goal. The the gift to Will Golston when. The Cardinals tried to pitch the ball. He was on the ground that literally fell in their lap. Very much like the Bengals got gifted right before Christmas when you had that linebacker (laughs) on the ground catch a fluttering ball from Tom Brady because it fell literally into his lap. And then, of course, Keanu Neal uh, forcing the game to overtime with the interception on the failed Hail Mary attempt. But the Buccaneers got more takeaways and that's something they haven't done this year. We talked about it on Monday's show. They just have not gotten the takeaways this year. They're up to 16 now, which is a far cry from what they were. I think they had 29 last year. So they're way behind the, the their, you know, their mark from years past and maybe turnovers come in bunches and Matt, they, they got to come up with some takeaways this week and, and they got to, they got to play clean on, on, uh, on offense. They, they already have 20 turnovers this year. They had 19 last year. I think they had 17 in the Super Bowl season. So they already have more turnovers on offense now with two games left than they have in either of the two previous seasons. And that's why they're at a minus four turnover margin, which is not good. It's the sixth worst in the league compared to last year when they had the fifth best and they were plus 10. So that's a 14 turnover swing in terms of the differential from last year to this year. Yeah, we've said this before about other teams, uh, other Bucks teams in previous years, but I think it bears repeating uh, for this team. It's, you know, this this roster can still be really good if they just don't beat themselves. And yeah, a lot of get it has their been, own way. 
Yeah, and like I don't want to sound cliche or by the book when I say that, but it like it really is true. You know, a lot of the times the Bucks haven't been successful, and that's been often this year on offense. But a lot of the times, why they've been going three and outs and not able to sustain sustain drives mm-hmm. is because they're committing penalties, and then finally they s- slowed up a little bit on committing the penalties, and then they instantly just regress to all right. Now it's time to start turning the ball over. It's really, really simple for the Bucs. And um, I was almost confused on Christmas when the Bucs were actually turning the ball over. I was like, wait, what? Yeah. The Bucs actually took the ball away from yeah. the other team? It's called a takeaway. On the Christmas game, it kind of was more of a a, a giveaway, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it was like Will Golson's was a gift. Keanu Neal was a Hail Mary type right. situation. But maybe that's a sign of things to come because they clearly yeah. did not get enough takeaways for uh, their first game against yeah. the Panthers. And, you know, Sam Darnold is a guy that can turn the ball over, you know. Yeah. Um, he's not exactly there. He's not exactly a game manager when it comes to being quarterback. He he will try to make something happen down the field. Now, can the Bucks take advantage of that? Yeah. I don't necessarily know because, you know, Carlton Davis is their best corner and just refuses to, to intercept the ball. I know yeah. he had one against the <laughs> Bengals, but that was, that was a tip by Keanu Neal, right. and it went right to him. I mean, he yeah. could have easily had an interception against the Cardinals. And the Bucs almost got screwed from it because the That's Cardinals right. ended up getting that fake punt. And then Anthony Nelson saved the day with a uh, with the yeah. strip sack there. But, yeah, they have to start forcing turnovers, not letting okay. turnovers just fall into their lap yeah. like a Hail Mary or a bad pitch. They have to push the envelope because, Scott, you said it before, this team, this defense is good. They get sacks. They get after the quarterback. But they don't turn the ball that's over, right. and that's what's stopping them from being a great defense. And by the I way, if, if you want to uh, – I mean, you're going to be watching anyway because the game is – the division is on the line for this team. But um, if you want to have a little bit more fun, maybe uh, bet on the game, go to mybookie.ag where uh, the Bucs are actually a three-point favorite. Uh, usually if two teams are kind of even or around the same – uh, they kind of do a uh, tie goes to the home team type of situation. So that's why the Bucks are a three-point favorite. But let us know in the chats if you agree or disagree with the uh, point spread for Tampa Bay going to this game. Sports betting is intense, intense enough, so you shouldn't need to sweat your payouts. My bookie has a no-strings bonus that lets you cash in and cash out quickly. Use the promo code PEWTER, P-E-W-T-E-R, on a deposit of $50 or more, and you can receive up to $200 in cash instantly to your MyBookie account. Using this bonus is simple. Bet your deposit amount once, and you're ready to cash out. It's no strings attached with MyBookie. Hammer this bonus on MyBookie so you can focus on what's important during the holiday season. Family, food, and securing that money bag. So bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with MyBookie.ag. You could also uh, double your uh, first deposit if you sign up using the promo code pewter. You know that even if you came from Plant City and learned from Plant City math, you know that that is a heck of a deal. So check out mybookie.ag and use the promo code pewter. You can bet, of course, on all sports. You know, it's bowl season right now, so a lot of college football games going on. I know UCF played at 2 o'clock. I did not see the score of that one. I don't know. They're losing uh, right now 23-7 to to Duke. Ah. Yeah. All right, not not ideal. Rashad Perriman, please look away. And Bailey Adams, <laughs> yes. please, please, uh, please look away. Yeah. Um, I had a uh, comment up here earlier. Let me see if I can find it here. Um, a good friend, John Ledyard, was on 620. 
today, and he said Brady and Leftwich will not be in Tampa next year. Do you think Brady returns next year? Um, we've been saying for months now Byron Leftwich is not coming back. So yeah, that's not news. He's not going to be back. Uh, feel pretty confident in that. Um, as for Brady, I think there's a chance he does. I if he's going to play, I don't think it's going to be anywhere else. I think he will stay in Tampa. Uh, just too many variables at age 46 with a new general manager, a new head coach, new teammates, a new offensive coordinator, a new system to learn. And uh, it's one thing to do that three years ago. It will be four years ago when he came from the Patriots to Tampa. But I just don't think that he wants to leave the Buccaneers on this note and finish his career elsewhere. And I know he wants to maybe go out on top and win another Super Bowl. But I think with another draft and free agency that this team can be better next year. They've got to stay healthier. And losing Ryan Jensen was a big blow. I know he returned today. So I think I think Brady will be back to Tampa if he wants to play another year. I, I don't see him going anywhere else. I know right now people are speculating with Derek Carr getting benched, Josh McDaniels might be opening the door for Brady and Gronk, which Dana White from the UFC yeah. was trying to lure that combination to to L.A. or I should say Las Vegas beforehand. Didn't happen, obviously. He went to, to Tampa instead. So that's just where I stand on it. But, yeah, Leftwich is not going to be back uh, in any way, shape, or form. We did have a super sticker from Eric Moreno. We appreciate super Thank stickers. Thank you, Eric. Super chats uh, very much. Um. And we were when we did Monday's show, we were kind of talking about Todd Bowles and and him about you know how the game's kind of like taken on his or here we go. Sorry, uh, I wanted to see if this team had taken on his identity, his personality, etc. And and I didn't know how to ask the question. I got some great help from Harvinder and Josh. We kind of. Uh, conspired to yeah. form the right question and tag team. Yeah. And, and I think I did a pretty good job asking the question. I, and I think Bowles's responses were interesting. Uh, so here's a question and then a follow-up for me. And we'll talk about that. Then we'll get back to Bucks Panthers. So I, when you look at the fact you've been here since 2019 and now you're the head coach, almost the head coach for you know, the entire football season. Teams will take on the personality of their head coach. How has the personality of the Buccaneers changed under your leadership as opposed to, to Bruce's this season? I think it's still changing once you take over a team that late uh, and you keep everything in place. You have to change it gradually to make a sudden change with a team that has success would be asinine on my part. You know, you don't try to coach to do things differently than your predecessor, no matter how great he was. You find tweaks along the way. You know it's a different type of team and you try to tweak it along the way to make sure everybody's on the same page and it gradually changes. You don't try to say, here I am right now. You know I'm the head coach, but at the same time, I have to see how everything works from my view and tweak some things along the way. Being here four years has helped me do that. I understand the guys a lot more and a lot better. So still tweaking something, getting it to how we want it. Here's a follow-up about what tweaks specifically have been changed. Wait, wait, what's, when you say tweaks, what's a, a top-of-mind tweak that, that you've seen in terms of this personality of this team involved this year? 
Uh, toughness, you know, mental toughness. We we have mental toughness. We just got to play smarter. I, I think we show up. I think they've hung together like we have been. And the mental toughness part is really starting to show, especially with some guys playing injured, which every team has. But, you know, they fight through it and they play and they move on. They don't make excuses. Interesting answers there from Todd Bowles. Yes. And actually, I, I, I think he's kind of spot on, right? I mean, if you... I, I know that there's a lot of fans not happy with Todd Bowles, and I get it. I will say I've been working the locker room the last couple of weeks, asking players off the record. They're in lockstep. They love playing for the guy. There is no division on this team. Todd Bowles has done a great job, despite some painful losses this year, keeping this team together. Right? They they are they're fighting for Todd Bowles. They're fighting for each other. His message is resonating with the team. They're not getting the results they want. I right. think we all could agree the defense has played better than the offense. So you look at Todd Bowles, and he actually get he actually checks the box as the defensive coordinator. This Buccaneer team, you know, again only allowed 16 points on Sunday. Granted, the Cardinals' offense is not all that, but it's just the problems are on the offensive side of the ball. And here's here's what I know, and this is not coming from Todd Bowles, but I mean this is this is what I know. He inherited this coaching staff, and I think that he saw this train wreck coming to a degree. Probably he didn't realize how bad it was going to be, but when you lose a Gronk and an AB and a Marpet, and then you lose Ryan Jensen on day two at training camp, and Tom Brady's coming back at age 45, and he does not want to lead the league in passing attempts. He wants to be able to run the ball, and the Bucks really have not been able to run the ball consistently, and they don't stick with it. And the play calling is really suspect. And Byron Leftwich kind of, you know, got all this credit from, from Bruce Arians. Oh, you know, I'm pissed off that, you know, Byron didn't get a head coaching job and all this, blah, blah, blah. Maybe there's a reason. Maybe there's a reason why he had, didn't get a head coaching job. And maybe we're kind of seeing now that it was really a product of the Buccaneers' more out-talenting people on the offensive side of the ball that put up those 30 points per game. Because when you've got – Donovan Smith playing better and three pro bowlers uh, and, a, and a guy who cashed in big time in free agency and Alex Kappa blocking for Tom Brady. And you have a healthy Chris Godwin who's not coming off of an injury back in 2020 and 2021 and Mike Evans, who's younger and probably a little faster. And you've got Rob Gronkowski and a B and you have the, the best quarterback in the league at before the snap reading the defense and finding the mismatch. And then, knowing where he wants to go with the ball. And one of those four guys, wherever he's going to go, is going to be open and make a catch and move the change and score touchdowns. And now you don't have that. You have half of that. And and it's called for more creativity on offense, called for more ingenuity and imagination, and it just hadn't been there. But go back to to training camp, and if Todd Bowles kind of saw this coming, what's he going to do? You can't just – get rid of Byron Leftwich before the season started. Right. Everyone would be like, okay. you're well, outsiders would, it would be, be like, like you're, you're crazy. You know? You're like, asinine. Exactly. That's that, that's essentially what he's saying. I, I know Todd Bowles enough now reading between the lines. That's what he's saying. He, you know, he, there's going to be a new offensive coordinator in Tampa next year. There is. Okay. But he couldn't make that change. Why would he want to get rid of, of, of a guy, even if he didn't, even if he had some concerns or if he was suspect about certain things about Byron, and I'm just saying if, because I don't know, but if that was the case, if Todd Bowles saw this coming, and I kind of think he did, 
what would the impression be if he lets Byron Leftwich go, who helped engineer, and Bruce Arians gave him all the credit, right? Don't give Tom the credit, give Byron the credit for 30 points per game for 2020 and 2021, right? It just, Bulls would be crucified. And if, if the guy he picked didn't get 30 points per game, well, then it'd be like, well, what are you doing, you know, getting rid of a guy that had 30 points per game? So he had to let this play out. He inherited this coaching staff. He took over on March 30th, Matt. And and he had to let this play out this way. And I think there's going to be some changes next year. And then Bulls will be, you know, evaluated and graded on his choice. His hands were tied flat out because it's, it's really tough for really any human to uh, – you know, if you have morals and things like that, it's like, you know, Bruce Arians is a friend. He's a mentor. He goes out of his way to end his coaching career to allow Todd Bowles to become the head coach. It'd be tough to be like, hey, thank you so much for getting me this head coaching job. I'm about to fire your other friend that we were neck and neck for this uh, for this head coaching opportunity. So not too much Bowles could do there. And it's almost like you had to almost prove the fact that, hey, he, he's not as good of an offensive coordinator as you all believe. As as messed up and weird as that sounds, he almost that's essentially what he had to do. He had to prove that Byron Leftwich um, isn't a capable offensive coordinator. And it, it is annoying because I understand, I understand the whole Gronk is in here, AB's in here, Ali Marpet retired. That's all well and true. Yeah. But this team is still way better and much more talented than they've been in the last decade, with the exception of the last. You're two right, seasons, Matt. Where they should, and Matt. I don't. I don't care if they're missing AB. They should still have more yeah. than what? What's the record? Seven and eight, and trying yeah. to stay at five hundred for for the season. Their record should still be way better than that, even without AB uh, and Gronk. So I, I agree. And Matt, to your point, I, I think too when you look at at um, other offenses around the league are scoring more points with lesser personnel, right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's lesser quarterbacks out there than Tom Brady that are putting up more than 17 points per game. And, and I think that that's, that's a real part of of the concern within the organization is where's the creativity. Other teams are finding ways to get less talented receivers, guys, not named Mike Evans, Chris Godwin and Julio Jones open. Why can't our offensive coordinator scheme some things that are, that isn't predictable that that can help these guys get open, and w- why 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 can't you know Tristan Wirfs, who's out there on one good ankle, one yeah. bad ankle, get some help from a back or a tight end blocking against JJ Watt? It's these are the kind of things. It's it goes back to that Pittsburgh game, Matt. It's yep, it it's, really does. It's uh, why are you letting their only game wrecker on defense, Cam Hayward, have his way with a struggling rookie left guard? in Luke Gedeke time and time and time again, and you're not doing anything to help him by doubling uh, Hayward with with a, a down block by Donovan Smith or a down block, a double team with with the center, Robert Hainsey. And it's just been these mistakes all season long outside of a great first half against the Bengals. I don't know where that came from. But, yeah, boy, they sure could use that type of, of a half or maybe all four quarters from Byron Leftwich uh, against the Panthers on Sunday. So th- that's that's my little diatribe about Todd Bowles. And nah, I, 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 I like asked the question, and, and that's the answer. No, yeah, I, I appreciate it. And uh, I'm very interested to see what 
uh, what a Tampa Bay offense without Byron Leftwich. Just a new set of eyes, a, a, a new coach that's not currently in the organization. Yes. I'm just curious to see, like, what's the first thing they would change or what's the first thing they would do or, or implement. And, you know, maybe we'll get that answer next season, um, hopefully with Tom Brady as the as the starting quarterback. Yeah. And I do bounce back and forth with something that Bull said about that the team is is like mentally tougher now or like since the last time that they played the Carolina Panthers. Uh, I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. But first, I'm uh, going to talk a little bit about Pirate Republic, the official beer of PewterReport.com. They are based out of the Nassau Bahamas and making their way to Florida for the holiday season and the end of the football season, right before the playoffs, which hopefully the Bucks will be uh, involved in. Going to be talking about three beers: the uh, Take No Quarter IPA, that's the uh, the one in the green, seven point two percent alcohol. So pretty much be one and done if you wanted to. Uh, the Long John Pilsner uh, is in the red. That one is perfect for tailgating or going to the beach in the Florida sun. It's also uh, my personal favorite. And then last but not least, you got the Golden Haze Piracy Belgian Whip beer in the gold. Drop an orange slice in that, and you will enjoy it. Now, where can you find Pirate Public beer? You can go to Total Wine and More, Lucan's Liquors, uh, Party Liquors, and uh, ABC Liquor Stores. That's where I get my Pirate Public beer. And uh, they're expanding across the state of Florida, which, of course, is a great thing. So uh, check out Pirate Republic today, the official beer of PeterReport.com. So Leftwich said mentally the team is tougher. Since, you mean like, Bulls. Yeah, Bulls. sorry. Yeah. yeah. Who did I say? Uh, Leftwich. Leftwich. Sorry. Yeah, I meant uh, Todd Bowles. The team is mentally tougher, especially since the last time that they played yes. uh, the Carolina Panthers. I Part of me agrees, but then I see other facets of the game that I just don't agree with. So I think the way that the Bucs have lost this year, whether it's getting absolutely crushed by the 49ers, whether it's squandering a huge lead by uh, the, the, the 49ers, whether it's losing – in really tough fashion to the Packers where you were a two-point conversion away from tying the game up. This yeah. team has had really, really tough losses this year. You know, yeah, like real gutting losses. Yeah. And, they, and, and, you know, I, I think that's what he means, Matt, by the mental toughness is, is that they've stayed together, yeah. right? There hasn't been the finger pointing. They've actually shown some resiliency in the last couple of weeks, coming back to beat the Saints, hanging in there, coming back to beat the Cardinals. Yeah. And, and and not folding, right? Like they kind of folded yeah, against that's where, that's the Ravens where I, I, I and the Panthers. The toughness, but that yeah. so that's the other part that I bounce back against is the fact that okay, uh, you play well for a little bit, and then um, all of a sudden you have the the Ravens game where you have this lead or you're playing well in the first half, and then the Ravens just annihilated you in the second half and ran it down your throat like yeah. over and over and over. The Bengals game. Where's the mental toughness there? You're up 17 to three. Everything's right. going great. Then they couldn't get out of their own way. Turnover yeah. after turnover after turnover. So where, where really is the mental toughness there? Should they get credit for being down 16 to six in the fourth quarter with 10 minutes to go? <laughs> yeah. Should they get credit for being Fair mentally point. tough because they, because they came back against the Cardinals with their yeah. third string quarterback. I think this team is together, but I don't know if they're like mentally tough again. Rashad White fumbles against the Chiefs. They like they couldn't overcome that. You know, it just right. the morale was low after that, and they weren't able yeah. to to overcome it. Um, I, I think you see from time to time, it's like they get pushed, and they don't necessarily push back. It's like, yeah. ah, damn, here we go again. 
And that speaks to the body language that we've talked about. So I bounce back and forth. There's been some well, you know what? cases I, I, I think to your point, and, and this is a problem. I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to make excuses for the team. But the, the teams that they've been able to push back against, right? Rams, Cardinals, Saints are some of the lesser teams in this league. The better teams they were not able to push back against, the Ravens, the Bengals, the playoff-bound teams, right? Um, they, they just were simply better, and they were the bullies, and the Bucks weren't. And so I think that that's a problem here in itself because, okay, great, you're going to make it to the playoffs, and maybe you're, you're fine being a – you know, a, a slight bully yourself and pushing around bad teams, but there's no bad teams in the playoffs. And so I, I, I'm with you, Matt. I think that that's an interesting point that against the better teams in this league, they've not been able to push back and not been able to fight through with the mental toughness necessary to prevail, whether it's, you know, hanging on to a 10-3 lead at halftime against the Ravens or hanging on to a 17-3 lead against the, the Bengals. They weren't able to do that in the second half in either one of those games. Yeah, the Bucs haven't really been able to uh, compete with the best of the best. But when it comes to managing your money, uh, you want the best of the best, which is Immuni Financial. Oh, that is the graphic. I meant to play the video. Now let's hear from Immuni Financial. At Immuni Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead. Stay ahead. Folks, Amuni Financial has been doing this over 40 years, not just here in Tampa. They are a St. Petersburg company. Not just in the Tampa Bay area, not just the state of Florida, but across the country. They're licensed to help you, whether it's advisory services, brokerage services, legacy retirement planning, investment banking, insurance, annuities. They can do it all, and they can do it all exceptionally well. I do what I've done. I've got most of my financial uh, investments with Immuni Financial, and I encourage you to do the same thing. Give them a call at 1-800-868-6864 or visit them on the web at Immuni. Com. To kind of continue what we were talking about with just, uh, you know, the overall mood of the team and, and morale, there's been some conversation on social media about the body language of Mike Evans and Julio Jones um, after the game on Christmas when they were kind of breaking it down. The whole team was together putting their hands in and people were saying that, like, Mike Evans doesn't seem all in that he was acting a certain way on uh, on the sidelines during the game and and Julio didn't seem as interested. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think it was just like a quick video that people are taking like a little bit yeah. too much out of proportion of like Devin White talk talking about how the team just won and how the, like they all work together to uh, accomplish that. Are you buying any of uh, of that chat or is it just kind of like yeah, throw it to the wayside because I'm going to throw it to the to the wayside. Um, I, I've covered Mike now since you know, he came to this team in 2014. The thing about Mike Evans is he is a professional. He is very hard on himself. There's yeah. nobody that's that's going to be a tougher critic uh, on Mike Evans than Mike Evans himself. He had a tough game, right? He there were some underthrown passes that frustrated Mike. Were picked off by Marco Wilson who had two, and you know he. He's not been the factor 
this year that he has been in the years past. Remember, he had 14 touchdowns last year. That was a single season record. And, you know, 13 was was the previous record that he had in the Super Bowl season in 2020. So the last two years, Mike Evans has scored 27 touchdowns, right? The last touchdown he scored this year was in week four when he had two against the Kansas City Chiefs. So Mike Evans has three touchdowns this year. He's not having a good year. I suspect he'll get his 1,000 yards this game at some point in time. But it's been a down year. So Evans is frustrated. He's frustrated with his own play. He's not on the same page with Tom Brady. He dropped the wide-open touchdown pass the last time these two teams met, and that was in Carolina. So it just it's kind of been a down year. It's almost one of those years you just you're ready to kind of start over next year and with a clean slate and forget this and kind of burn the film and all that. And he's fighting through it because he's a professional. And and I just think that that uh, he's not playing well. And that's that's kind of dampening his mood because he knows he's the heartbeat of this offense. When he plays well, the Bucks offense plays well. And Mike Mike Evans is down right now. Uh, 11 touchdowns fewer than yeah. he had last year. Imagine the Buccaneers, you throw a touchdown in and more in one of these games, like throw an extra Mike Evans touchdown in these games. And, and, and they win some of these games that they lose and the margin of victory in some of these games is, is more than a field goal. Right. So I think that's part of it. Exactly. A lot of stressful games for the Bucks this season, even the ones that they've won, it's come down to the wire and the anxiety is up yep. and, and Mike has always been a team first guy, a, a, as you were just talking about. I mean, he's taken less money, he's restructured yeah. his deal, um, he helps out everybody on this team. So I don't think there's any issue at all with just like he just wants to win, right? Really, and that's what it comes down to. And sure, he yeah. wants to produce as well. And it's crazy because the Carolina game, we talk a lot about the fact that you know Mike had that drop and it changed a lot of things. He still had a really good game. He had nine receptions for 96 yards and got targeted right. 15 times. He did. So, yeah. uh, especially with Horn not playing, this could be another game where maybe this is the week that Tom and Mike get back on track. I mean, maybe the overtime, the connection there is uh, something that they can, you know, continue into next week. Because, yeah, they're going to, if they want to make any noise in this postseason, if they even get there in the first place. They're getting a lot better with Chris Godwin, but Mike Evans has to be a factor. Yeah, You know, there's those weird games where Mike just isn't involved at all, doesn't get a target. That was kind of the week before they played Carolina, and then they made sure that they got him the ball, and they still could only score three points. I tend to think that that's going to be an outlier, where if Mike Evans is producing, the team is putting up points right. as well. Uh, so Mike definitely has to be involved again. Yeah, also, uh, you know, uh, as as uh, uh, – I think it was James uh, said James Thomas. He is two and zero when when he's at the games, and so James Thomas will be there on Sunday. There you go. So that helps out. I'm also undefeated when watching the Tampa Bay Lightning in person, Matt. I think I've been to six Very Lightning nice. games, six and zero. So still waiting for those season tickets from the Lightning. I'm like, <laughs> I think that's a pretty good record. I think you want me there. Right. Just can't afford tickets, you know, all the time. Uh, Dante Foreman, Chuba Hubbard, the new double trouble. Yeah, these guys are good. You mentioned Sam Darnold earlier, and I believe you when you say that because you're a Sam Darnold's aficionado being someone who's followed your New York Jets. But believe it or not, since Darnold has returned to the lineup, that duo has kept him from having to 
win games. Yeah. Just on his arm. They're matter of fact, they're three and one since his return. They've they beat the Lions 37-23. Before that, they lost a close game to the Steelers 24 to 16. And that's the Steelers did a really good job against the Panthers ground game. They did beat Seattle 30 to 24. They also beat the Broncos. I mean, not that that's anything to write home about 23 to 10. Let's ride. And and Donald in those games, again, three and, and one as a starter in those games, threw one touchdown in every game and no interception. So he's doing his part by handing off the ball, not having turnovers. <laughs> and, and it's going to be up to the Buccaneers to, you know, to to change that, to make him beat them with his arm. And and it's not just shutting down this Carolina run game, Matt. It's this offense has got to come out and put some points on the board and make Carolina say, wow, we're down 14 points or 17 points like the Bengals were. Maybe we need to kind of abandon the run a little bit and air it out. And that's the formula for success. The problem is I don't know if the Buccaneers have the firepower on offense to build a lead that discourages the Panthers from running the ball. Right. That's the key is the Panthers aren't a team that's going to want to get into a track meet with you and, and try to go blow for blow. You know, they want to build that lead and then just keep running it, kill that clock as much as they possibly can, and just let the, the defense, which is the strength of their team, let the defense do uh, the rest of the work. You know, yeah. um, for example, if the if the Bucks had the same lead they had against the Bengals, if they do that to the Panthers this week, the Panthers aren't – I don't think they're coming back from down 14 points. That's just not in the repertoire of what the Panthers do as a team. They want to fight tooth and nail, be in the game with you the whole time. Because, I mean, yeah. again, with Sam Darnold, even going back to his Jets games, the Jets would be down majority of the time, so he would have to throw it all over the field, and that's where the issue went up. Not a quarterback that's going to elevate. You know, we talk about oh, quarter, great quarterbacks elevate the players around them. That's not the case with Sam Darnold. You know, like right. he is a better quarterback when he has a top tier level talent around him. That's again part of the reason why he didn't work with the Jets is that he never really had that offense around him. I actually think if he was in this year's Jets offense, he would be much better. But to the point is, Darnold's not going to be able to chuck it all over the field. You know, outside of DJ Moore is going to be all on the running backs. They want a, yeah. a slow slugfest that, you know, the first person to score two touchdowns wins. That's right. I, I know last week was very high scoring for them. Again, that's an outlier. That doesn't really happen all of the time. They just want to run and play good defense. So in an odd way, it's almost like whoever scores the first touchdown, whoever can build their lead first, right? it's going to go a, a long way because neither team can really play catch up too much. If there's any lead more than 10 points, it might be done. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And uh, the Bucks are going to have to sustain some drives too, and really kind of shorten the possessions. I think for Carolina, and uh, and you know, not not give Carolina a bunch of scoring opportunities. They're going to have to play really well in defense. This is going to be a slugfest. I actually like the Buccaneers in this one. If Donovan Smith and Tristan Wirfs play, if Vita Vea plays, I, I think there's a good chance the Buccaneers win this game at home. And uh, you know, I, I call me crazy, you know, but. I, I think that's how it plays out. Now, if you're looking to, you know, uh, play it out uh, for your your New Year's, right? Because it's New Year's weekend here, and you're going to make some 
some uh, New Year's resolutions, and one of those is weight loss. Well, I got the perfect place for you. As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women. I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to age rejuvenation because I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. Got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with age rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call age rejuvenation today. Folks, I am an age rejuvenation customer, and I've been thrilled with the results. I am 50. I feel like I'm 40. I feel like I'm 10 years younger. John Gilmore, retired Buccaneer, tight end, feels the exact same way. He'll be joining us on Peter uh, Tailgate, uh, the Celsius Peter Report Tailgate Show, presented by Age Rejuvenation at Walk-Ons this week. We'll tell you more about that in just a second. But agerejuvenation.com, go there. If you're interested in weight loss, set up a consultation. They'll give you 50% off your first weight loss treatment. If you would like the testosterone therapy, which is what I'm doing, because guys in your 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, the testosterone declines naturally. And if you want that taken care of, testosterone therapy is the way to go. Mention Peter Report for a $500 savings on your first testosterone treatment. Five Tampa Bay area locations to serve you. Start the year off right. Invest in your health, agerejuvenation.com. And as Scott alluded to, we will have the Celsius Peter Report tailgate show presented by Age Rejuvenation live at the walk-ons in Midtown. This, of course, is a one o'clock game, so the Peter tailgate show will start at the Midtown walk-ons at 11 o'clock. You know, there's a lot of pregame shows around but um, they cover all the teams. We are just talking about the Bucs game. It is just Bucks panthers what we're getting into. Make sure you check out Walk-Ons, uh, great food. And, of course, Peter Game Day Show is right after. That's with myself and a guest where uh, we will give our live reactions and analysis and insight to everything that's going on with the Bucs game. Uh, we have a fun time regardless of whether they're winning or losing. So uh, make sure you check that out. And, of course, please – Follow us on our social media and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's absolutely free. Uh, it's over at Peter Report TV. If you like our podcast, if you like some of the other videos that we have, it just lets you know when we're going live and when we have new content out. It's, like I said, it's absolutely free. And if you're doing us a big favor by uh, subscribing, we would really appreciate that um, for all of our work over at PeterReport.com. Uh, we will have another episode going on tomorrow. Uh, to further talk about this huge, huge, huge matchup between the uh, Bucks and Panthers. So make sure you check in on that one tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Uh, until then, for Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying thank you, everybody, for watching. We will see you tomorrow for another edition of the Pewter Out.